Welcome to the Transform Your Workplace podcast. I'm Brandon Laws, and I've got Paige Tamlin with me. Paige, what's up? Hello. I had to make sure to squeeze in one more episode with you before I left for sabbatical. So yes, I'm so glad you can make time for me. I don't know when this is going to go live, but (laughs) this is July 22nd. I'll be on sabbatical in about a week or so. Get that 10 years. Get that sabbatical. Get that sabbatical. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but I thought you'll probably still be so busy. I'm going to see you on social media and you're going to be like, I did all these 20 things today. No, that's just a front. That's just to make you believe (laughs) that. I actually just sat on the couch all day. (laughs) You're just not that type of person, though. I no. just, I don't see that. Eh, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Maybe one day. So I thought you're basically a podcast pro now at this point. You've been Ooh, on so many times. New title. I I'm going to throw something different at you, because uh, I've done this with Lacey. She's come on a lot as Ennium. And I've done lots of very specific episodes with you mm-hmm. where we talk about some, like an article or some data or whatever it may be. But I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions related to HR and maybe about you okay. too. We'll see how deep we want to go, but <laughs> love it. If you're up for it, let's do it. Let's do it. Rapid fire. So one of these things that I'm really curious about, because I'm just not in your world a whole lot, mm-hmm. but I keep hearing this term ghosting and I know you could speak about it definitely from the dating <laughs> side. I think we've even made mention of it. In a we totally did podcast. on I think the last podcast. Probably. It's funny to me. It is so funny. For people who are listening and have never heard this term ghosting in the recruiting process or hiring process, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. I guess they're probably hired at that point, right? Not necessarily. Okay. So explain what it is yeah, and then give me your opinion on why you think it's happening. Yeah. So ghosting could happen during the whole recruiting and hiring or even the onboarding process too. It's kind of rare that they've like come on to your company and then like they just leave. I have heard of it happen on occasion. Usually it's during the kind of recruiting and interviewing process where they just like, no matter how many times you reach out to them, they just don't respond, like won't pick up your phone calls, will not email you, text you back. However, it was that you've been communicating with them. And like for no apparent reason, you don't have any reason to believe that they've like fallen off the face of the earth. They've just totally ghosted you. So that happens. And I have lots of clients that deal with it. And it's very frustrating. So this is a recurring theme that's happening right now. Has this really happened in the past? No. I think it's kind of as the new generation is coming into the workforce. I think, again, I don't want to like overgeneralize, but like this type of generation does this. But I think that the newer kind of generations that are coming into the workplace have a harder time like speaking how they feel sometimes and like giving the feedback. And I get it. Like sometimes it's even hard to like just tell somebody that you're not interested in them anymore. It's the same thing in the workplace of like, you guys seem like a great company. I just don't see myself working there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So they don't even say anything. They just they like, just they yeah. just basically it's easier say to just not say mind. anything. Yeah. I wonder if there's this theme with certain generations where they talk amongst themselves and say, "Hey, you know what you should do is try to line up as many jobs as possible, and then you know just take the one mm-hmm. you like and leave the rest of them in the dust without saying anything." I wonder yeah. if that's. Could be that too. What they talk about and yeah. it's just socially catching on. And it's a competitive job market, so they can. So yeah. it's not like there's one job out there and you really have to go for it. They yeah. could have five people lined up and maybe you were the last one in line. So when times change, which I think we're all kind of waiting for the other show. Waiting for drop. the bubble. Yeah, we're seriously waiting for that. Not that I want it to come. No, but I think, but I think that's like, the trend. Oh, like going this s- happens and then the bubble drops or you yeah. know, shoe drops or whatever. Yes. Yeah, so then those people are basically have to learn how to do confrontation, right? It's not even like confrontation, though. I think it's just that like 
feedback process, like being comfortable, yeah. giving a message that you're not super like wanting to do. Like nobody wants to get up in the morning True. and like decline somebody. That's not, I don't know, maybe you do. <laughs> and if that's your thing, like maybe this podcast <laughs> isn't for you. But like, not everybody wants to do that. So I yeah. think that you're right. It's going to have to happen. There's going to be a shift. Tomorrow I'm recording a podcast on feedback and how to give oh. it. So those people should. There you go. There's a part two to this podcast. There is. So switching gears a little bit, from your perspective, you work with a lot of different organizations across different industries, for-profit, non-profit, mm-hmm. probably different sizes too, I'd imagine. So mm-hmm. what is probably one of the most underrated perks or benefits that you've seen? You're doing a lot of handbooks, so you're definitely seeing what they're offering. Yeah. What's something that it really sticks out to you as being something that should be more well-known and probably pursued by employers. Yeah, I would say, I think we all know kind of like having a really competitive like PTO plan is important to like recruitment, you know, and retract and attain talent. But I would say like having a flexible work schedule, if it is possible within your industry, not every industry can operate that way. Like if you have a manufacturing plan and you have to have people there at a certain time, like maybe that doesn't work, but you could have swing shifts or things like that. I think just that flexible work schedule, especially if you're in an office environment, like people want to drop their kids off at school and come in at at nine and not be here at 8.01, you know? And I think that that's something that I like personally take advantage of a lot. And I forget that that's not a benefit that's offered everywhere. You're like, hey, Lacey, boss, I'm going to go drop off my kids at school. Oh, wait. You have no children. I know that for sure. (laughs) But like, I am not a morning person. Yeah. I'm just not. So I get here at 9.30 and I work until about 6.30 sometimes later. And she knows that and she doesn't care because she knows I get my work done. So that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. We talk about this as a really good benefit, but I think it should be the norm in work. Honestly, I think it should be too. But I think like focusing on that, that's what the kind of newer generation wants is that flexibility. I had mentioned that you work with employee handbooks quite a bit, like customizing uh-huh. them. I know you like just churn those babies out. <laughs> By the way, we customize the hell out of those things. So oh, they're, they're not, so custom. There's a lot of like firms out there, yeah. uh, whether it's law firms. They have or like creative HR. firms that like don't want certain yeah. terms in their handbooks or they only want certain pictures. They only want yep. this like what's bare minimum legal policies yeah. I have to have. Like My question to you on the handbooks, because a lot of times clients are coming to us with handbooks and mm-hmm. saying like, it's probably outdated. I want it to sound and feel like us and look like us from a culture standpoint. You're seeing these, you're doing an intake, you're reading the whole entire handbook. What's the biggest gap that you see? Do this for me. Compliance gap and then a culture gap, I guess. Those are the two biggest gaps that I always see, right? Either your harassment policy is two sentences long, which is not going to be legally compliant. Oh, oh, good God. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just like bare minimum, like you probably got it from a Google search, which if you're a small firm, I get it. Like that's where you're going to piecemeal things together. That's why you come to Zenium. So I would say, yeah, having policies that are not like legally compliant or so like I would call it like legally intense where it's just so much legalese that you can't even like actually figure out what the policy is trying to say. I see a lot of those too. Like you're reframing the policy language in a way that makes sense for employees. Especially we get those when handbooks come like straight from a client from their attorney partner. They're very like very dense policies. I get it. I get why they've done it. That's their job as an attorney, base, yeah. but it's just like, it's not friendly at all. It's very harsh, very yeah, not approachable. And then from a culture standpoint, I would just say, I just see a lot of handbooks that are because they come from an attorney party. 
there's no culture at all in it. And yeah. it just doesn't seem like them. And it's like, what are you trying to focus on? I mean, I have so many applicants that come in and say, hey, can I have a copy of your handbook? And I think that's a great way to learn about a company pretty quickly. Sure. So, and if you're giving them this handbook that's 20 pages long and it just has legal jargon in it, it's just like, gonna, it doesn't say anything about yeah, you as a company. Learn. It just doesn't speak to who you are. What a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Those are gaps. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing from a trend standpoint of employers? What are they adding? Yeah. We are primarily dealing with fairly progressive employers, I'd say. It's probably half and half, yeah. right? Some are trying to cover their bases. Yeah. Like they know they're behind. But others are like, they have a vision for what they want it to be. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably seeing some trendy stuff happening. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing pop up? Yeah, focus on like the more unspoken benefits, like putting a flex time policy in your handbook, putting in those more culture friendly handbooks, highlighting that you have floating holidays and things like that, that employees really want to know. Still having like the legally compliant policies in there is important, but making sure that you and your brand showcase throughout your handbook is probably what I'm seeing as more of a trend and like less policy procedures, putting that like in an operations manual and having your handbook just really be about who you are as a company. Switching gears, I'm going to just throw any curveballs left and right. Mm -hmm. The Me Too movement, there's been a lot of like employee complaints whether it's Mm -hmm. harassment or just bullying Mm -hmm. or it could be whatever complaint happens Mm -hmm. what are you seeing is like the most common thing when it comes to complaints if there's a trend of some sort you don't think it's specific but i'm really curious if there's like some general theme that you're hearing i would say a lot of times i see what it is it's like the offhanded comments and jokes that people just make like not even directed at a person yeah it's just an offhanded comment and it offends somebody that's listening or they know somebody that's, you know, of an association of what are they ever joking about. They joke about themselves and like maybe their religion and it just seems funny at sure. the time, but, you know, has an adverse impact. So I would say it's kind of the offhanded comments and jokes and things like that that I so see a lot. So a complaint happens. They've obviously not interacted with the other employee from a like, hey, that offended me. Like yeah, they're not yeah. really confronting it. They're just going right to HR or their manager. Yeah, or like, hey, we were all in this group. Somebody made a comment. I just wanted you to know. Okay. A lot of times that's what they want. It's, it's just so like, the, I want you yeah. to hear me. I want to feel heard. Help me out. This seems like a really common thing that would probably happen. Mm-hmm. What do you do in response to something like that? Yeah, I mean, you have to confirm that it happened. So obviously that's a little bit harder to do if it was just two people, right? Because it's a they said sort of situation but if there was a group it's pretty easy to discern if that did happen or not so if you've confirmed it happened then it, you have to kind of go into like resolution mode like okay what does the employee want out of this do they just like not want this to ever happen again which is pretty often a lot of times people don't want a personal apology but you kind of just have to like assess what they really are trying to get out of this is there training that's needed across the company is it just a mediated conversation between the two people you just kind of have to assess the situation Let's switch over to some recruiting stuff. We kind of started there with ghosting, but I want to go back. What do you think is like the biggest headache that comes to mind when thinking about like sourcing candidates? It's like a double-edged sword because unemployment is so low right now. So you're really having to attract. I mean, that's a great thing for the economy and I totally get it, but trying to source talent is really incredibly difficult right now. Because you're really trying to basically extract them from other employers already. Yep. Yep. I worked in an industry as an onsite where it was a very small community. And so everybody talked and everybody knew if somebody was leaving to come work for us. And so it was very, very difficult to try and, and they were also a vendor for all of this other industry as well. So 
they were, you know, competitors, but they also yeah. were like their vendor. And it was just very, very complicated and like stepping on people's toes and making sure to still be respectful. So sourcing talent is really, really hard. And then especially when you think you have a really great candidate and you're super excited about them and then they ghost you and you're like, oh, I'm going to start back to square one. <laughs> so there's a chart that I had found earlier. It's on LinkedIn, I think. Mm hmm from HBR. So they put a screenshot of this graph that showed companies are overlooking internal talent. And it says top channels for hires, employee referrals is the top, job boards is next, social networks is after that, recruiters, staffing firms, and then internal hires. I thought that was interesting. So in your mind, what is the best place to find candidates yeah I was gonna say employee referrals so yeah I feel like people are not going to refer somebody that they don't think would do a good job because that's yeah. their name on the line so if you don't have an employee referral program start one it's like the best way for you to source people because yeah. they're only going to refer good people to you what I would add to that because I've been this is years ago yeah. I've been burned several times by really people in my life yeah. why did you refer them no, I'm just kidding <laughs> Because they're friends or family or whatever. See, so I would you... not put my name out on the line for somebody that I wouldn't think would do a good job in that role. Yeah, I always have. But maybe that's just my HR message. background. Maybe no, it's harder as right. a friend and you're not in that position yeah. to create some boundary there. I think there's a nice way that you could say if you're ever in that position, maybe. Hey, I would love to give you a personal reference and talk about my experience just being around yeah. you and what you're like as a person, but I don't know you on a work level yeah, yeah. to be able to give that kind of a reference. Would you be okay with that? Yeah. Because I did that for somebody I referred That's to here to Zenium. Really? I was like, I don't go with her. Yeah. And I know what she's like to work with at school in a group yeah. project setting, but we were both fairly new to the workforce and mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, personal reference is great. So I've had that situation on ends of the spectrum, I've had yeah. like a really close, like best friend. Mm -hmm. And then I've had somebody who I barely knew. And I actually, yeah. I remember referring somebody here to Zenium and I was like, I just can't speak to their work You just ethic. have to be honest. I yeah. think that's all like, people want to know. Somebody recommends them for my personal network. That's yeah. basically it. And I think when you're in a position like you are fairly well known and people respect you quite a bit, they're going to want that referral yeah. from you. So then it really puts you in a hard place. Like I would never personally ask for a referral from somebody if I didn't know them super well. Yeah. I just feel like that just puts them in a really <laughs> uncomfortable position. But. This chart that originally I started talking about though, it said the most overlooked source is internal hires, though. Do you agree with that? Yeah, like succession planning, yes. if I can talk. All yeah. of that is very, very important right now, especially as like... Like career pathing people up. Yeah, through, generations yeah. are looking to retire or at least phase out, maybe and slowly, you know, retire, maybe work part-time and things like that. And it's like, what are you doing as a company to make sure that that knowledge doesn't just walk out the door with them? Yeah, that's a good point. Especially like, you know what they are at that point too, so you can grow them and develop them. Like, yeah. Have them trained by somebody who has yeah. done this job for 10 plus years. Not only are you growing them as an employee and then they feel valued, yeah. but then that knowledge doesn't walk out the door with them. So it's like win-win. Yeah, it is a win-win. Because yeah. when you start hiring people from the outside, you don't know what you're going to get. You got to start from scratch. Even if they have <laughs> industry knowledge, like they don't know you as a company. They don't yeah. know how you do things. And so, yeah, I think internal tires are really yeah. looked over. I think that's the challenge with like recruiting, especially for a growing company. Mm -hmm. Is like if you're going backwards, it's easier to probably fill in. Mm -hmm. But most companies are probably growing and so they're adding heads while you're adding from the outside you right. can't just like shuffle people from internally right hopefully you have like really good like training and development programs That's... and things like that for your people and that kind of like empowers them too i would say mm -hmm. 
someone who's been with you for maybe only a couple of years or looking for new opportunities to grow. Like, hey, I'd really love for you to mentor this new person that we love have coming that. on. Yeah, that's genius. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your head is exploding. Oh. Like it's getting bigger and bigger. I like that emoji with the head <laughs> explosion. <laughs> so this is probably a quick answer for you. In job ads, do you like having a range of pay on there or no? This is my biggest pet peeve. When I see job ads, I write a lot of job ads for clients. I would say that's like, I get asked at least like once every other week to do one. Yeah. And, and I cannot stand it when clients don't want to put oh, a wage no. range in there. <laughs> this is like, is the easiest way for you to like reduce the amount of people that are qualified for your position. Put the wage, at least a range, put a range in a there. Range. It could be a giant range. It could, yeah. And say somebody who has little to no experience yeah. is going to be at this rate. Somebody who has a lot of experience is probably going to be towards this end. And yeah. when you phone screen people, you tell them that's what the range is. And, and have them I'm, say whether they fall in the range yeah. or not. Because if they don't, then they're not even going to apply. Exactly. Don't and waste think, your time. Don't waste their time. And now with all the pay equity laws in Oregon specifically. Yeah. They're going to find out. They're going to find out. Wouldn't it make more sense to actually add it? Do it because up it's all going to be yeah. out in the open, the ranges for the yeah. position. And I am a proponent of telling people while they're in positions, here's the range for this position. Here's where you're at. Here's your growth. Like here's your trajectory for how much pay you could get. Yeah. You're at the top end. We got to figure out something else to do with you. Yep. So I am all for transparency. I know that that's like hard for <laughs> some companies who just don't want to release that information, especially if it's like really competitive in your industry and you don't want to do it. But you got to differentiate yourself then. Yeah. If everybody's offering competitive pay, what are you doing to be different? But that's just the easiest way to like get people Filter. out that don't fall or in that string, range. Or when you string people along. Like I have a personal story, and I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast, but probably years ago, my mother was going through interview process. She's in like inside software sales. And she had gone through like job posting, uh -huh. didn't have a range of pay on there, uh -huh. went through three interviews without even ever talking about oh, pay. Oh, no. I don't know if it's like taboo or her generation really doesn't talk about it or doesn't feel I comfortable. Don't... And I get it. Maybe she just thinks like the position is probably got to be in the range. range. And for the audience, like I know Brandon's mom. So like maybe the, I'm just a little <laughs> bit biased here. I feel like she would have asked. But if you just mm -hmm. don't know the person well enough, you don't feel comfortable asking. I feel like most of the time, though, like People give it at least up. somewhat early on in the range. Like I, there would be yeah. no way I would ever go through three interviews. Yeah, because what ended up happening, you could probably guess what happened. Yeah. It was way off and she was Ugh. almost like shocked to the point Ugh. where like everything was aligned except for the pay was like, well, I want to yeah. say it was like 40 or 50 grand off Oof. or something. It was like a giant misalignment. Yeah. I think like, that what? there's opportunity there to say like if the range is that far off. If there's opportunity, though, because she's in sales, like maybe the bonus structure was going to be enough to like, and yeah. that's maybe why they weren't kind of being forthcoming with that. But you're just wasting everybody's time uh, then. I agree. Yeah. Please don't do that. So early on in the process of you've identified some candidates, you're going to do a phone screen with them. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite question to ask? I love asking what opportunities they think they have to improve in their oh. own work. What kind of answer are you looking for? I'm looking to see... If they thought about it. If they thought about how much time they think to take about it, you know, think about it because I know that they don't want to have like that long pause of like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, that's fine. I'd rather you take a beat. Think about what your answer would be and just be honest with me. Like there's this particular software. I'm not super comfortable in it yet, but I'm trying. I'm working really hard or there's lots of areas of improvement that don't mean that you're failing at your job. It just means that you're not 100% competent in that. And that's fine. I just want to know. <laughs> 
Love it. You're so funny. <laughs> when you talk to employers, I'm sure they've asked about like millennials. How do you attract them? How we talk you, about millennials so you, much, Brandon. It's <laughs> crazy. Well, we are millennials, but also like yeah. it's just. My clients always ask me. They're like, I don't know how to deal with these millennials. It's crazy. I'm like, you deal with me. Mic drop. They're putting millennials in like some like we, like they put in this weird bucket of like I don't weird. know how to deal with you and I'm like the next generation has their age. own set of like yeah. values and are even more outspoken than millennials. So that is basically what I wanted to say to you or ask you was if you kind of look at this millennial bucket and then you have the Generation Z popping up into the workforce mm-hmm. now. If employers ask you about it, like how do I embrace them or how do I attract them or what kind of stuff are you telling them? Yeah, I would say that you need to utilize them, especially the millennials. They have a way of understanding the Gen Z that's coming in. And if you want to be an employer who like embraces like diversity of thought, like you need to listen to everybody that has an opinion. Yeah. So utilize them, listen to them. They have ideas. That's a good point. They will tell you. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also like when you start categorizing or stereotyping, I guess. Yeah. You're almost not open-minded about what can bring to the table right. too. That's yeah. why I like I think there's a time and a place for demographics and studies and things like that. But when you start putting people into buckets of like, oh, but well, they're such a millennial, it's like, <laughs> why would you say that? Like why? what is it about You know, you went through that same like exactly. thought process. The generation when before you, were, you yeah. had the same thought about you and whatever it was about your typical generation. And we are a byproduct of our parents' generation. So Absolutely. We're all learning from previous so I just blame generations. My parents. Just to Going off on a tangent real quick. I think that really the only difference between generations is not about the way we think or anything. We have sure we have influences around what have happened during our lifetimes. Right. But other than that, it's like the boomers were 23 years old at one point. Like they had their own, you know, they're underdeveloped from an adulting standpoint. Yeah. I think, yeah, our environment changes. The environment's changed. And the way that we were raised changes. But in reality, you're right. Like we all were the same age you know, a certain period of time. So <laughs> you know what it's like to be 28. Exactly. So please don't judge me. Yes. But it just gets harder. It I does. feel like it gets harder. But yeah. that's just my opinion as a millennial. You think so? I'm a little think, biased. But I think it's getting harder. I think so. If you just weren't aware of what was going on at the time. No, because I mean, like my parents will tell me stories about their childhood. I'm like, yeah, I understand. You had to walk to the bus stop uphill both ways. Both, oh, I love that. And go pick fruit on the weekends. That's my mom's story. She's like, we had to go pick blackberries on the I weekend for that's like the, five cents a day or story something. I, and I'm like, I that's heard too. child labor, first of all. Yeah. But I'm like, we have different things that we have to worry about, right? Lots of people have student loan debt that's just yeah. so crippling that they will never be able to like buy a home until they pay it off. Like we just have different, I think, substantial issues that we have to deal with. That's my opinion. Take it or leave it. I appreciate your opinion. As a listener, <laughs> as a giant group of listeners, we appreciate your opinion. Okay, so there's this article that I, I think we've talked about this before, but there's this article from Sherm, I believe. It was talking about loneliness at work. Oh yeah. And all the lonely workers, if you haven't listened to our previous podcast. Yeah. In your mind, like if there's a quick way to make sure that people don't feel lonely at work, what would you encourage employers to think about? Yeah, it's hard because sometimes you don't know that people are lonely too. Like you yeah, can make true. some assumptions, but it's like, especially I feel like those people who like requested to work at home and you think that that's just like what they want. You totally granted that and you think they're fine. They still need to be integrated with your team. So it's like, do they come out for your team meetings? Do they... Do you Skype them into all of your meetings that you have or do you just fill them in after? Like it's small things like that that can make a huge world of difference. So, Okay, you just passed your SHRM certification. I did. 
What's an area you felt like when you were going through it? You're like, I'm never going to use this ever. I really hope nobody from Sherm has ever listened. (laughs) Whatever. As great as I thought the content was. It's relevant to you. This is about you. I would say the content that I think that maybe just didn't apply to me as much, at least at this point in my career, was all of the section on just like global HR. Oh, yeah. While I think that's super valuable for somebody who works in a huge industry that is global or has competitors that are global, you're attracting Their talent. global, yeah. Exactly. I think that that's super important for you. For us at Zenium, it That's a good point. But you had really to do it apply, anyways. But yes, it was, I think there was a whole book on it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Interesting. And then what's the area of the curriculum that you felt like they touched on that was such a trend that maybe you haven't experienced, but you're like, oh, I'm going to watch out for this. Yeah, I would say probably there was a section on corporate social responsibility. And I think that employers can do a better job at conveying what their corporate social responsibility policies are and like what their values are. And, you know, I think all of that could be a little bit better broadcasted. I don't know if you've done much research on like the B Corp status. Uh-huh. Do you think like doing something like that would yeah. probably cover it? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you have the B Corp great. stamp, you would be like, oh. I think if I was looking at a place to work, right? Like that signifies a different meaning to me that like, oh, they care about the people they're planning, you know, the profit and all of that stuff. Like that's important to them. And, you know, that's great. They've taken that additional step to like be this B Corp. Yeah, it's cool. Not everybody can do that, but. At least if you have some awareness. Yeah. Do the small things. You've attended some of our book clubs over the years. Mm-hmm. Not many of them. Ooh, oh, calling me out. few of them. What's I've your... been studying for the last six months. Let's <laughs> be perfectly honest. True. I've hey, had been, no life. We've been going strong since like 2012, so no Ooh, excuses. I started in 2013, but thank you. Yeah, that's true. What's been your favorite book that you've joined in on with us? I liked the Culture Code one. Yeah, that, that we was did. actually a pretty recent one, yeah, too. That was, that was really good. That was good for any size of employer, I think. There was yeah, a lot of good and I meant to join the last discussion we did, which actually, it was not a book. So we, we watched movies. movies. Yeah, we did So movies. if anybody out there is listening who does a book club, <laughs> you can do other things. It threw everybody for a loop because the book, I just buy them all, right? Right, yeah. You know, but we them. picked movies that were like easily accessible that, or that most totally. people have seen at least one yeah. time because we did... We did Apollo 13, We Are Marshall, and Sully. Sully, that's right. It's all about to draw out leadership from it. and Leadership like skills, those yeah. Those movies did a little bit of that. So. Yeah, so you could like pick a theme that you think yeah. is you know important to your business, whether it's emerging leaders and leadership skills or lots of things. I still like the book. It's just I think easier. the book is good, but I think it was a nice like little reprieve. Yeah. And it was during the summer, and a lot of people don't necessarily read as much during the summer. They're busy with kids stuff. Yeah. So... Now that you've passed SHRM, you're certified, official, you're, official. you're doing some Zenium book clubs. What do you do for development? Well, I'm going to have to keep up. So part of the SHRM certification is that you continue to do courses and continued eds. And that's always been yeah. super important to me. So actually, like a week before my exam, I signed up for a course. I was oh, like, what am I doing? A course through I SHRM have... or through No, it was through a, actually an insurance broker that a client uses. Okay. They just said, hey, I just wanted to invite you to these. And it was on workers' compensation. And so that's an area of mine that I don't, I know like the basic process of how that yeah. works, but we have somebody here that manages all of our workers' comp and she does a fantastic She's job. Awesome. But when clients ask me questions, I'm like, <laughs> let me Good, ask let me, let me let ask, ask Heidi, Heidi. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll get back best. to you soon <laughs> shout out to Heidi <laughs> yeah 
but I just knew that that was an area I needed some extra development. So like two weeks before my exam, I'm like sitting in a four hour training, like just trying to cram stuff into my head. So so I'm curious with HR so big. Actually, we were looking at that graphic that Sherm has that's like the HR body of knowledge. Yeah. And it's like leadership and business. And there's one other area. Organization, people. Might have been compliance or something like that. Yeah. But it's like ethics, I think. Is everything about HR. There's such we touch a huge everything. Thing. One person couldn't possibly know everything. So I'm curious, you just mentioned the work comm thing, and mm-hmm. that was a weakness of yours, and you're mm-hmm. seeking training around it. What's to prevent you from exploring things, one, you're interested in, or things that you're really strong in, just getting more advanced knowledge versus, you know, like the Marcus Buckingham thing, where you're just focused on your strengths and not your right. weaknesses? Yeah, what do you I, think about that? For me, I don't like being uncomfortable. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't. Some people thrive in that like uncomfortableness of like, I just need to get through this, right? I am not that person. I like to have an answer or at least have a good general idea about how things can go. And I just source people appropriately. So I feel like, yes, of course, I could like capitalize on my strengths and just roll with that. But I also kind of have like a wide variety of experience. And I think that that's more helpful, in, at least in how Zenium operates. I think so, too. I think in a lot of industries, too, I mean, like when you consider being like a software engineer, yeah, you need to be a specialist. Mm-hmm. But I think in a business like ours or even in certain roles, like I'm a marketing person. Right. Being a generalist is not such a bad idea because I'm a marketing leader. I need yeah. to know enough about a lot of things to be dangerous yeah. and to know where gaps are and yeah. where to put resources where to. Source to. But appropriately. My biggest thing is finding the right people for the right thing. As a leader, that's yeah. you need direct resources. You only have so much time. Yeah. So it's like, where do you want to spend your time? Exactly. I think if you specialize too narrow, then yeah. you could be oblivious to something and else. And that's what I don't want. I mean, unless it's something you foresee yourself spending the rest of your yeah. career. And if you do, great. Like you found your niche. Like that's fantastic. Yep. That's exactly. just not where I see myself at this point in my career. I mean, look, 10 years from now, I could totally be like, no, I love recruiting. I love, you know, whatever it is. I don't ever foresee that being like compensation or like workers comp, but yeah, well, it's good stranger things have happened. So. Good that you're open-minded about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, being a generalist, literally, because that's my job title. Yeah. I just find that that's more valuable to my clients. So, I mean, I dabble in things when I need to. I've become very well-versed in DOT regulations. Didn't ever think that that was going to be a need, but had a client with a DOT audit like my first week there and I was like all right let's do it <laughs> so but this is like what HR people are dealing with right yeah. they're like dealing with audits compliance oriented issues and then they're like okay well how do we engage employees and yeah. fight this turnover I'm and doing like, like the regular HR stuff crazy. and then I get involved in other things because I think that what business leaders are correctly assuming is that HR has a good just like playing field for everybody and I can just kind of comment on lots of different things and it just, you know, it's a valued opinion. It's a business partner mindset. You are a true business partner. And you're a rock star. Thanks Aww, for coming on. Oh, you're I, the best. I appreciate you coming on and let me just grill you with a bunch of random questions. I love Ho- it. Hopefully it was fun for you. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Well, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Not anywhere else? <laughs> 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 Calling me out. <laughs> yeah, I keep my good. Instagram private just because yeah, it's like call. family pictures. And I have pictures of my niece on there. So totally. It's kind of totally. weird to have like baby Kay. pictures everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, all those places. So connect with me there. Thanks for tuning in today. 